All right, let's take our Bibles and turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2, and we'll begin reading in verse number 1. The Bible says, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto Him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us, as the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that... that is called God, or that is worship, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was with you, I told you these things. And now you know what withholdeth that he may be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work, and only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall the wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. For this cause God shall send them strong delusions, that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned, who believed not the truth, but, the, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Heavenly Father, bless now the reading of thy word. Give us liberty and vocabulary these next few moments. We'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen and amen. I want to preach a few minutes on this subject, on the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord. The Apostle Paul is writing this second epistle because there's been some false teaching concerning the coming of Christ and the day of the Lord. And Paul is writing to encourage these believers as they're going through difficult days, but he also uh, wants to establish some things concerning uh, the day of the Lord. He dealt with uh, the coming, the day of Christ in in 1 Thessalonians and and talked about uh, the rapture of the church and then he mentioned the day of the Lord in chapter number 5. And again, Paul is dealing with the day of the Lord uh, here in this text. I want you to see in verse number 1 and 2 the confusion. As the Bible says, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto Him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us, as the day of Christ is at hand. So Paul is dealing with some confusion here about the day of Christ and the day of the Lord. He says in verse number Two, that the day of Christ is at hand. I want to mention first of all in verse number 1 as Paul begins this text here uh, he talks about his burden as he says now we beseech you. And when Paul uses that word beseech we know it's the same word uh, to mean beg. And Paul it reveals his burden. Paul uh, says now we beseech you. Paul's got this burden on his heart uh, to help these believers overcome uh, the false teaching that they had been hearing. And so we see Paul's burden. We see Paul's brethren. As he said, now we beseech you, brethren. And Paul uses that word uh, throughout uh, uh, the last epistle and this as well. And Paul was a church man, as we've said several times. He loved the brethren. And so we see uh, Paul's burden. We see, we see Paul's brethren. And then we see Paul's balance. As he says, uh, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto Him. He's talking about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now 
Now notice he uses that word coming there and that word is used 24 times in the New Testament. Uh, that is the same word that is rendered as presence. And so uh, when he talks about the coming of Christ, he's talking about the presence of Christ. And when you think about this word, uh, how it's used 24 times in the New Testament, we find that six times it's in reference to Christ's presence in the air when he comes talking about the rapture. Eleven times it's in reference to Christ's presence on earth when he comes talking about the revelation. And then one time it's in reference to the presence of of the Antichrist who will be destroyed by the presence of Jesus Christ. Now you say, preacher, what does all that have to do uh, uh, with this text here? Well, you'll notice that Paul uses it in verse number one here and it refers to the day of Christ when Christ comes in the air and when he takes the bride away and it has to do with the rapture of the church and what that entails it entails the rapture of the church the judgment seat of Christ and then it entails the marriage supper of the Lamb we will be in his presence during uh, those events and of course the Bible says uh, so shall we ever be with the Lord but then the second time that it's used is it's used again in verse number uh, verse number 8 and he said and that then shall the wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming or His presence. And so it's used a second time. And there it has reference uh, to Christ's presence on earth. It has reference to the day of the Lord. So the first time in verse number 1, it's talking about the day of Christ, the rapture of the church. The second time here in verse number 8, this word coming or this word that represents the same word as presence, it has reference to the day of the Lord. It has reference to the revelation of Jesus Christ here upon this earth. And then it's used again in verse number uh, 9 as the Bible said even him who's coming talking about the Antichrist is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. So uh, we see that it is used uh, those three times throughout this text. But now why that's why that is so important and Paul is telling us in the early verses of chapter 2 here the difference between the day of Christ and the day of the Lord. He says in verse number 2 don't be shaken, don't be uh, troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter as from us. Paul says, the day of Christ is at hand. And we know that. We know the day of Christ is at hand. We know that the rapture could take place at any moment. Uh, Listen, that is what Paul said in Philippians chapter number 2, as he said in verse number 11, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I've not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Talking about uh, we as uh, the children of God on on that rapture day, whenever Jesus comes and takes us away, and then we stand at the judgment seat of Christ. We we don't want to run in vain. And so Paul mentions the day of Christ is at hand. And then now in verse number 3, we see not only uh, do we see here the the, the uh, confusion, but now there's the clarification. Paul is going to clear this matter up. In chapter 1, when he encouraged this church with a promise, he talked about the day of the Lord. He was emphasizing the day of the Lord. Now these believers were somewhat shaken in mind because uh, uh, because of the t- false teaching that had been taught. Uh, some ha- had taught that the rapture had already taken place, the tribulation was now started, and that they were looking for uh, the day of the Lord. Now if that we know that's not true, but had it been true, you could understand why uh, these believers 
believers were, were shaken in mind. And that, that word soon that Paul uses in verse number 2, it means quickly. And the word shaken means to move to and fro. And the word trouble means to cry aloud. And so it, it shows the emotions that uh, these early believers were going through because if uh, they were in the rapture, that would mean... That, or I mean, if they were in the tribulation period, that would mean the rapture had already taken place and they missed the rapture. And uh, then if, uh, listen, they were, the rapture was to take place after the tribulation period, that meant they had to go through that horrible event. Uh, but Paul said in chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians and verse 9 that God hath not appointed us unto wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul is wanting to separate uh, those two events, the day of Christ, talking about the rapture of the church, uh, talking about Jesus coming and resurrecting the saints and taking us to the judgment seat and the marriage supper of the Lamb and then the day of the Lord. That day of the Lord, my friend, entails the events that will take place during the tribulation period and then will be finalized with Jesus coming in that revelation in Revelation chapter 19 at the battle of Armageddon, the day of the Lord. And so Paul is going to reveal that to here. He's going to clarify uh, the difference. He has talked about the day of the Lord in chapter number 1 as he gave them that promise that God is going to or he's going to bring vengeance on this earth we know that's not in the rapture that's not the day of Christ and so he says the day of Christ is at hand but now he reflects back to his theme, to his topic, the day of the Lord in verse number 3. Let no man deceive you by any means for that day. What day? The day that he was talking about in chapter 1. For that day shall not come except there come a falling away first and that the man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. So when we think about the day of the Lord, we know the day of Christ is a day of joy, but the day of the Lord is a day of judgment. We know that the day of Christ has to do with the church, but the day of the Lord has to do with this world. The day of Christ is revealed in verses 1 and 2, but the day of the Lord is related to everything else that Paul is about to deal with in verse number 3 on throughout uh, our text today. So when we think about this, uh, he's going to talk about the Antichrist, and he mentions him in verse number 3 here, and we see the titles. He's the man of sin, he's the son of perdition, and then he's also mentioned in verse number 9. Uh, as uh, verse number 8 as that wicked the wicked one the Antichrist has many titles and we'll not take the time to, uh, to talk about all those titles here but Paul makes it clear that this is not the Lord Jesus this is the Antichrist this is that one that will step on the scene immediately after the day of Christ the rapture of the church and the resurrection of the saints and so he mentions his titles and then uh, he mentions his, his travesty as he says in verse Verse number 4, he says that who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God. Or, he said, that is worship. So that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. And you know that the Antichrist will come on the scene. Uh, he'll cry peace and safety. There'll be three and a half years of false peace. He'll make a covenant and a league with the nation of Israel. But he'll break that covenant. He'll break that covenant. The abomination of desolation will take place. And he will sit in the temple of God and he will claim that he is uh, God himself and we see his trickery in verse number 9 the Bible says even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all powers and signs and lying wonders now think about this the Antichrist uh, will deceive the world the Bible said in verse number 9 by miracles by signs and by wonders 
You know, not every miracle is a miracle of God. And this text proves that. That some miracles are, are worked by the hand of Satan. This man will certainly deceive many, the Bible says, with, by the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders, the Bible says. Notice the deception there, the, tricker, the trickery that will take place. And then there's the trampling. If you look at verse number 8, the Bible says, And then shall the wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. You remember in Revelation chapter 19, the Bible says there that out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nation, and he treadeth the winepress and the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That's what the Bible is talking about here. That there's going to come a time, listen, when the Bible says that the Lord Jesus Christ will speak at the battle of Armageddon out of his mouth will go that sharp sword and the blood will flow to the horse's bridle. Uh, in the valley of Jehoshaphat, in the plains of Megiddo, what a time, what a day that's going to be when my friend, he puts all of his enemies under his feet and he destroys the kings and the captains, amen, of those uh, that oppose the Bible said and stand on the Antichrist's side. And so there will be this massive trampling. And so we see this man in verse number 8 and 9. And what we see is that this man is going to be destroyed in verse number 8. We see that this man in verse number 9 is demonic. It's by the working of Satan. And then this man is deceptive. The Bible says, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. In that day of the Lord, we see the man here. He's the Antichrist. We see the miracles uh, that he works in verse uh, number 8 as we mentioned. And then we see these men in verse number 10, 11, and 12. I want you to notice about these men uh, in these days. The Bible said that these men here, that they are deceived with all deceivableness and that these men are disobedient. Uh, the deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. These men are doomed. They're going to perish. These men are damned, the Bible says. Look at verse number 10 again. Because they, uh, The Bible said, "...because they receive not the love of the truth." that they might be saved. I mean, these men, uh, the Bible says in verse number 10 and verse number 11, because they receive not uh, the truth of the gospel, that they might be saved. And for this cause, look at verse 11, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they might all be damned. God's going to send strong delusions in those days. And what a time that's going to be. It's going to be a time uh, when the Word of God talks about these strong delusions. It's going to be a time when it's going to deceive uh, men all around this world. The Word of God mentions the mystery in verse number 11. For this cause, he said, shall God send them strong delusions. The mystery of those strong delusions. When you think about that, uh, that uh, word strong delusions, it simply means to wander or to forsake the right path. And that's what they're going to do. Apostasy is going to lead them down the wrong path. They are going to follow the Antichrist, the beast, the, the false prophet. They're going to, they're going to follow that pathway. And the Bible said strong delusion. The purpose of this strong delusion is because uh, that they have rejected the Word of God. They receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. They receive not uh, the way of God. When you reject God's Word and you reject God's way, then my friend, the only option you have is to believe a lie. 
And that's what these people are doing here. The Antichrist will have a perfect setting to be able to come along and to be able to convince the world. It'll be a ripe moment and a ripe hour for men to be deceived. And so the purpose of that and then the power of those strong delusions, the Bible tells us that these uh, delusions in verse number 11, they're going to be sovereign for this cause God shall send strong delusions. You think about that. That's sovereign. And I'm not a Calvinist, but I do believe in the sovereignty of God. And that's, that's a very, uh, that's a very uh, a strong statement in verse 11 that God is going to send strong delusion. You know, that proves that no matter how out of control this world gets, God is still always in control. That even when it looks like Satan is running and ruling the world, really behind the scene, it's God's agenda to accomplish His will and His way. And the purpose, my friend, is in the power of these strong delusions is that it will be sovereign. It's going to be sent. God is going to send this. And it's going to be strong, the Bible says here, uh, that the Bible said that they will believe a lie. You see, if you don't get saved while you have an opportunity, if you don't receive the gospel now, if you are like these men in this text, if you reject the gospel and you choose not to believe the gospel, here's what's going to happen. The day of Christ could be at any moment. Jesus could come and we could get out of here. And if we're gone, you'll be left behind. The day of the Lord will begin to take place. Judgments are going to be poured out upon this earth. There's going to be a time like we've never seen. The Antichrist will step on the scene. The Holy Spirit will be taken out of the way as the Bible talks about uh, in verse number in verse number uh, 5, verse number uh, 6 as he talks about that restrainer is going to be removed. And as he is taken out of the way and the Holy Spirit will be gone and then that will just pave the way for uh, that false spirit to just run rampant. And friend, it will run across this world like a cancer and it will get a hold of the hearts of men and they will believe a lie and they will be and strong delusions will be sent by God and they'll turn to the Antichrist for a false hope, a false peace and a false security. And the Word of God teaches that here that they will, uh, that they will uh, be damned and they will be destroyed. And so we see here the power of these strong delusions, the path of these strong delusions. It's a direct force, as he said, that God is going to send it. Notice verse number 12, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasures in unrighteousness. And when you think about that, There are a lot of people today that do not want to believe the truth for that very reason. They enjoy the pleasures of sin. But the Bible says it's only for a season. Friend, the day of the Lord is coming. The day of Christ is coming. The day of Christ could happen at any moment. The day of the Lord, we know that there are certain events that has to take place before that day can happen. We know that these events, these judgments, they have to be poured out. The Bible talks about from Revelation chapter 5 to Revelation chapter 19. It talks about the judgments of God. The seals uh, reveals uh, the judgment. And then it talks, about the, uh, it talks about the trumpet judgments and then the vile judgments. All these judgments are going to be poured out upon this earth. And in the midst of it all, men are going to die, those who have chose not to believe God. But I want to show you one final verse in our text. And I know that because of the nature of this message, we have kindly skipped around rather than verse by verse. But I want you to see verse number 7. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now, only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. The Bible talks about the mystery of iniquity. You know, God 
has at this moment the program of salvation is taking place. But the devil also has a program and it's the program of sin that is taking place. The mystery of iniquity. But what holds that iniquity, what holds that mystery of iniquity back? Sin is running rampant today. We know that. But the Holy Spirit that we find in verse uh, number 6 here talks about, or verse number 7, it talks about how that uh, the Holy Spirit is uh, the restrainer. He is holding back. But once, why is He holding back? He's holding back for the church. He's holding back for that next, uh, that last sinner to get in the family of God. But once that last sinner has been born again, the bride has been completed and the church is taken out. I'll tell you what's going to happen then. Friend, what's going to happen then when the church is gone, then the, the all, of, all of, of sin is going to spread and run rampant. The devil is going to have a heyday for those seven years. But God is going to judge this earth. A world with no spirit, the Holy Spirit. A world with no church. Can you imagine that? That's what those last days are going to be like. When we think about this, the penalty of these strong delusions is, my friend, deception and damnation. What about you today? Do you know Jesus Christ? Do you know that you've been born again? The day of the Lord is coming, but the day of Christ is coming also. Are you ready for the day of Christ? If the rapture was to take place right now, would you go? Do you know that you're saved? Do you know that you're born again? Child of God, you're saved, but are you serving? Are you giving God your best? Are you laboring? Are you working in the field? Are you a slothful saint? Are you giving God your your absolute best in these last days? I I would encourage you to work work before the night comes. The night is coming, as the songwriter said, when man shall work no more. And we think about that today. We think about the, the concern that we must have for people who are dying. People are dying without God all around us. We need a burden. We need a brokenness. The day of Christ is at hand. Father, I pray now that you'll bless this message. I pray that you'll speak to hearts. Lord, I pray that you will help us to, Lord, think about not only the day of Christ, the rapture, but may we be conscious of the day of the Lord. May we think about the fact that, uh, Lord, that there are going to be those that are unsaved that's going to be left behind to go through the tribulation period, to be damned and to be doomed for all of eternity. Lord, they'll be deceived. Help us, God, to give the truth to those that stand in need of it. Lord, we'll thank you for what you do. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.